Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello. We get into trouble for this. Off hell. We're live on YouTube. Well, then go. Which is not watching only my Auntie Lily. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Fatback Four. Uh, this is Gav. That there is Nilo, uh, co-host for this evening. He rang me last night and he said, "Gav, I'm coming on. I've watched the game. I've watched the full Liverpool game for the full first time this season, and uh, I'm not letting it go to waste." Live, Gav. Uh, live. I watched it live. Live. You know, live. I watch reruns. Sven. Shh. Uh, okay, with us tonight we have Grizz, we have Marty, and we have. Uh, there's Keith, what a fucking top Keith has on. What's so unreal, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I think your man might want that back, mate. <laughs> right, let's go. Liverpool have a 3 0 win away to Watford. Uh, first half, okay. Second half, really, really good. Uh, let's start with the lineup. Um, Grizz, I'll come to you first. What did you make of the lineup? Was it brave to put Lovren in, or was it just something to do with Gomez? He needed to, he needed to sort that out, and he, he'll keep him for Wednesday. What did you make of it? I think it was a very brave selection by Klopp, especially um, especially the inclusion of uh, Shaq um, away from home. I think Watford are probably one of the tallest teams in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, I, I think we are... I'm sure that team that we put out yesterday is probably one of the shortest. Um, so that kind of worried me, but, you know... Just as well as a volleyball. Eh? Yeah, Just as well it was in volleyball, Chris. You know, no, but the thing is, you know, like these these teams that love uh, playing for set pieces, Nilo. So and they and they're very, you know, they're very uh, they're very good at their set pieces as well. So that's the only thing that worried me. Apart from that, I thought, yeah, that's a proper clock balls up lineup. The Lovren scenario was quite self-explanatory, wasn't it? With Gomez picking up a knock, Daisy comes in, so Trent stays in the team at right back. Uh, the rest of the team kind of picked itself. Yeah, I, I've always thought Fabinho was going to play against Paris, so you may sit this one out. So it turned out Hendo started instead of Fabinho. Ginny's been probably overall our best centre mid, so he was going to start. And the front three of the front three. So yeah, overall, uh, a very, uh, very good and very strong lineup. Okay, Marty. Um... For you, the midfield was the talking point again. Was it a midfield you would have went with, or was it something you, you would have liked to see something slightly different? Uh, I was more than happy with the midfield. I, I completely understand what Grizz is saying. They are quite a physical team. Um, there's, you know, they have got a, for, for Watford. They've got a very strong, strong midfield. But I, I think now was the time to to start, you know, unleashing Shakiri. I think it would have been very harsh to drop him. Um, even based on Watford's midfield, every single time he's played, we look like scoring. And we scored three again with him yesterday. Um, at the back, 
I, I, I think it's about time that we the Lovren agenda has dropped. I know he's had a few shaky seasons with us, but I, I can't remember the last time he, he had a bad game, especially next to Van Dyke. So I've got no problem with Lovren playing or Gomez, Trent, or any of them. I think our, our defensive options at the moment are brilliant. Um, I think it's a, a really, really good team he picked. Probably our strongest, with with the exception of Fabini. I think it's our strongest eleven that we can play. So no issues at all. Nilo, yeah, the lineup. It's funny there. Just want to pick up on the Lovren thing, you know, and the suggestion of an agenda. Or that mm. I think if you get caught up with agendas and all that bullshit that's going on, particularly on Twitter, if you base any type of reasoning on what you're hearing on Twitter, you're going to be lost. I think, particularly with Lovren, if you realise that he's not the best centre-half in the world or even in the league or even at the club and you realise that he's at his best 8.5 out of 10, at his worst 3, 4 out of 10. So if you're looking for 7 out of 10 out of your centre-half every week, that's what you're going to get from Lovren. If you're looking for anything more than that, you're going to be disappointed. But if, and having said that, that gives people who are to his detractors a, a cause to have a go at him but you just need to realise that he's not the best centre-half in the world and you don't have to keep saying he is absolutely brilliant when he's not just realise he's above average professional centre-half and if if you realise that and you realise the strength and depth we have in that position there's no cause for concern at all in my opinion Okay, Keith would you would you um, would you go along with that no cause for concern with, with Lovren whether it's him or Gomez playing or indeed if Van Dijk is out and you have to play Lovren and Gomez uh, When you're playing a team you know what top top 10 to 12 team you know the uh, teams outside the top six you do your likes of Watford's uh Brighton's Bournemouth's Everton's you expect Van Dyke and Lovren to do a job all day long I don't personally believe that many teams can score goals against us they can't even create chances against us so it doesn't really worry me to be honest it's quite amazing how I've always had a, th- a theory that you have to keep your back four the same or else it can cause problems but it seems with Liverpool at the moment we have anybody next to Van Dyke becomes a superhero. So, you know, I was more than happy with that team. I was just saying the other day, mate, yeah, it's like playing basketball beside Michael Jordan. It's incredibly easy. Yeah, because you think about it, Van Dyke just, he calms you down. You know, he wins the aerial balls that you might not necessarily always win. You know, he'll he'll make sure he's in the right place at the right time, moves the ball around well. He just, everyone else is just so much more chilled. And I give a special mention also to Alisson. Because there was a moment in the game when uh, Dan Lovren fizzed the pass back to Allison quite hard, actually. And you've seen in the past someone like Mignolet or, L- or Carrius gets a bit flummoxed and a bit, you know, they lose their cool when they get put under any type of pressure when the ball's been played to them really hard. With Allison being so good on the ball, it means even if Lovren was to make a slight calamity, you've even got your goalkeeper now that's taking him out of trouble, not just for Van Dyke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, the lineup was fine. Gomez, love or Klopp was saying something about him being at eighty percent. He's probably looking around to play on Wednesday night, and look, that's what a squad is all about. Um, it means then Trent has to play right back, and I've no issue with that. You, him, him getting a rest might work, but playing him back into form might might work a little bit quicker. The midfield for me, I don't think he has much option if he wants to play for being on Wednesday night. I think it's okay to play Henderson and. and um, win Alden, but the big thing was to play Shakiri with him. It gives us that element that you know, if we went in with Milner for argument's sake, it blunts us that little bit, but makes us more solid. And up front, the three lads are the three lads. Um, getting into the game, Grizz, I'll come back to you. Um, we're watching the game. The first half is, I don't think there's a shot on goal for a good part of the first half, if I remember right. Um, and you, you spoke, you spoke to me today about a patient Liverpool. 
were we being patient or were we just working these out and in the knowledge that we can and we always say this every week in the knowledge that we can get them in second half and and in particular last 20 minutes I definitely think I definitely think there's a an emphasis on controlling the game more from the start um, I was at the game as you know um, and you know the atmosphere was a proper cracking atmosphere for us so it's a really nice family ground but the atmosphere they create is brilliant and you know the the, the sense the sense of sort of um, um, amongst the fans was like this is going to be a toughie. No one thought this is going to be a walkover. They had they've had a good two week rest where they've hardly any of their players have gone on internationals. So they were just totally prepared, geared towards this game, and it's a massive game for them. Well, you know, for most clubs is when when they play the Reds, but. And, I, and, you know, and, and as, 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 as I said earlier, their midfield is probably one of the strongest outside the sort of top seven, eight. I mean, their centre midfielders, that Decore, much decorated. A lot of people uh, rate him very highly. Uh, who's the chap that used to be at Spurs? Kapue. Yeah. Kapue and uh, Will Hughes, the one, who, you know, uh, we were linked with a few years ago as well. So very decent midfield, very energetic I thought, I thought we were patient. I thought we were good in that first sort of 34 minutes uh, in terms of sort of calming the crowd down, calm, assessing the situation. It's this new Liverpool that we've discussed last few weeks where we have to sort of adjust to sort of this new style. That gung-ho style is no longer. We seem to play sort of in... We, we play that gung-ho style, sort of, we'll get, probably get to it, for like 20-minute bursts. We'll be up the tempo for about 15, 20 minutes. Chris, you don't and think it's a case of um, do not think of it's a case of being patient and kind of rather than kind of lulling the upper, the opposition to a false sense of security, trying to bring them out of it because teams are going to sit back against us because they're afraid of the counter attack predominantly. So if you can yeah. lure, you can lure them more into the game, get them more comfortable in it, and then then you spring the trap. I think I think that's I think that seems to be particularly away from home the way we're going to go about it. And from yesterday's evidence, it worked really really well. Do you not think so? No, I agree with you. It is actually that. I mean, you've got to consider when you go to these clubs or teams, and for example, a lot of, I mean, we've, we've discussed this before, but a lot of teams change their formation for us. So, for example, Watford have been playing 4-4-2 all season. Two strikers, four in midfield, four in the back. Very adventurous, the wing-backs. They've got a couple of um, uh, uh, European full-backs, attacking full-backs, very... Uh, you know, very mobile. The two four, the, the two strikers, Dini and sort of I can't remember the other chap's name, but you know, the, the Delafleu and Pereira on the wings. Well, they changed that. They completely went sort of Troy Dini up front, five across the midfield. You know, and they literally just prayed that we give the ball away in midfield, a misplaced pass, and to counter us, Nilo. And so for that sort of to assess the situation, you're right. We've got to be patient. We've got to be controlled. We've got to, you know, see what, you know, see if they can hurt us, see if they can anything for us, and then we build up, build up a momentum. So I think, I think, it, you know, apart from that, Allison misplaced pass, and uh, when Lovren literally slips, I think that's the only chance they sort of have or create. As, as, as Gav says, it wasn't 40 minutes until there was any shots on target for both teams. So it wasn't, it was a, a cagey affair for the first 40 minutes, but I was okay with it. I was patient. I was okay. Marty, what do you think, with the frustration, you can see a kind of 
building in the first half? Were you frustrated yourself, or were you kind of just sit back and this is going to happen? Yeah, I feel I feel completely confident with with the Reds now. It's, it's it's a completely different approach we're taking. It's a bit like a boxing match, you know. Sometimes you've got to feel each other out, see what the other side have got, and and you can't always go gung ho when they've got five in midfield and you know four behind. It just doesn't work. You're not going to go anywhere. And a lot of emphasis gets put on the fact that there's no shots on target, but you could hit five shots on target from forty yards that all go wide, you know. But the point was we were slowly breaking them down suffocating and we had something ridiculous like 71% possession and I don't think people are putting enough emphasis on how good Watford actually are you know, Watford outside of the top six they're, they're one of the best teams in the league they're brilliant like Grizz said their field is so dominant and technically brilliant um, you know, their striker's Dini you know, he's a bit of a roughhouse but he's, you know, he will get goals their back four is good you know, Foster's been brilliant in goal they're a good good side and the approach Liverpool took was they've got players that if we go out there play very open from the get-go. The Watford crowd are on their, uh, behind them. They could have opened us up and caught us on the counter-attack. So what we did was theoretically smother them for the first half, 10 minutes of the second half, didn't give a kick of the ball by our own mistakes, and we wore them down as the time went on. And I had no problem with that because at the end of the day, we ended up winning the game. So it's very difficult to look at the first half and go, oh, you know, the first half compared to the second half was was poor, but it's all part of the game plan. You don't do the second half without the first half. That's that's how I would look at it. What about you, Keith? Is, the, is it a case of the end justifies the means? Well, I think we've been quite used to Liverpool going ahead in the first half and usually winning the game by the time the second half has started. So I can see why people get in a bit of itchy feet. And funny enough, I watched this game through Twitter because I had a match myself. And I could... The way I read it and in the way I watched the game back, it was two completely different games. The way the first half people were like, oh, you know, getting frustrated, annoyed that we weren't, you know, slicing them up at will. And then I watched the game and Watford had one shot the whole game one decent chance the whole game Liverpool did allow them to do anything and so I think to a certain extent fans do jittery you know it's almost too good to be true but I think it's time to realise that it is true Liverpool are an absolute dominant force outside of the top four games Liverpool will dominate and not even allow other teams to touch them it's only a matter of time before we score our forwards are too good not to score in at least one game. It doesn't have to be three, four, five, six goals. Exactly. I'm look at that number. We don't have to score that many goals to get a point we did last season against what? So it's a completely. I, I enjoy this Liverpool. They're killers. They're absolute killers. Yeah, man. It's, it's yeah. It is. It's getting them. I suppose, but they, oh, you always have the comparison to Manchester City. Even during the match yesterday, City were a few goals. I'm not sure we're only fucking ill. We end up winning the match 3 0. It's a case of having patience, isn't it? And there is only, what, it's only two points in it, is it? I mean, that's absolutely, no, two, that's fuck all, man. Do you know what I mean? So, what, what's the, like, it's very hard to understand why there's any panic or why, or even why people are insistent on picking out negatives when the positives outweigh the negatives massively, man. But listen, if you want to find fault in anything, you'll find it. But I like what you said, Keith. I think just enjoy it, man. Enjoy it while it lasts. We had 30 years of fucking shit. You know what I mean? What do you think? Chris? And who we're competing against? Yeah, no, well, absolutely. Nilo, if we, if we... I mean, it's all about sort of uh, progression on this team, isn't it? And we're evolving. And, and I think some fans or some people are 
struggling to see the progression, sort of the involvement. I mean, look, I think Klopp's, I think Klopp's doing an amazing job, Nilo, overall. I mean, I'm not just talking about this season, but sort of in terms of how he's involved this team, where it started from. He gave us glimpses of sort of amazing heavy metal attacking football. But then also that was sort of, you know, that also was balanced with awful defending, sort of shitting ourselves every time there's a set piece. I mean, yesterday, considering I've just talked about there were 11 basketball players out there against us near lower, right? We weren't troubled by a set piece at all. Mm. And, and that's amazing, sort of, not only um, sort of Van Dijk. I mean, I know everyone says Van Dijk has changed everything and, you know, he's changed a lot of it. Right, but not only that, but Nilo, but just sort of tactically, this high line that we play on set pieces now—it's very hard to sort of coach and organise, and we and we've got it down to a T. Yeah. The amount of times we left the likes of Troy Deeney frustrated and offside—it was brilliant to watch. I mean, we were actually watching sort of, you know, the likes of Hendo and VVD organising the line and making sure everyone's sort of in line, picking up what not what not to be done, and it, and it's and it's all down to sort of the coaching side of clock, you know what. People kind of underrate him, you know. That we often talk about he's just a hugger and a high fiver and a you know a motivator, but there's 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 method to his madness, and and, it, and it's so evident now. It's you know we actually felt comfortable. I mean, I know it was Neil Neil and Keith and you have sort of said that you know we weren't panicking, but you know I, 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 he's right. I mean, the kind of forwards we have, right? We we just need to be solid, and we are solid now. So even if they're having a shit sort of game, we know they'll create two or three yeah, opportunities yeah, yeah, yeah. that will kill the game. And it kills the opposition when they when they when we score first now because they know, fucking hell man, these guys are bloody hard to not score against, but create chances against. Marty, tell me this, did you not think that before the start of the match yesterday, I had a little bit of a stink of Red Star away off it. It was kind of what after what happened over there. This could be a repeat performance of that unless we got our shit together. But we turned it around. Do you think it's a fact that we learned from what happened in the Champions League and we've progressed and moved on from there or where do you, what do you think? You can look at these games against Red Star and go, it was a one-off. Had a couple of players that had come in that weren't quite firing. Obviously, we had Daniel Sturridge was playing. A couple of the back four didn't look quite right. But uh, you, before, before, in seasons gone by, you would think, here we go again. You know, the old Liverpool are back. But they're just one-offs, these games against Red Star where we're not quite at the races. Every game, will, every team will have them. You know, City got beat at home by Leon. You know, no one saw that coming. It does happen when you make some changes. And yesterday, I think, you know, people kind of jump into conclusions at half time because City were 3-0 up in the other game. It doesn't matter. You know, it was uh, a calculated performance. It was a good performance and we wore them down. I didn't see anything that, that caused any con- cause for concern at half time or full time or after 10 minutes or anything. It's just... People seem to have this obsession with comparing everything to City at the moment. And, you know, City were playing West Ham. We were playing Watford. It's two different games. And they scored three goals in the first half. We scored three in the second. So it's just people need to just relax, trust in the system, trust in Klopp, trust in the players. And we're going we're going places. It's, it's that simple. Let's get into the second half. Uh... Marty, for me, one player that, that stepped it up in the second half. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to get on to the more obvious people. But for me, Wijnaldum was one that I think his level went up in the second half. He seemed to be more involved. There was more intensity about him. And I think 
that helps. I think that helps the whole team, but especially the forward lads, because when Wijnaldum doing that a little bit more in midfield, it's giving the forward lads, I suppose, less responsible to come deeper and try to create something. Do you know the kind of way? They're getting the ball that little bit further up the park. I would like him to see a change in midfield at half-time, to be honest, but from the first whistle of the second half, and we start to look more and more dangerous. Do you agree with the Wijnaldum thing? And did you see Firmino starting to grow a little bit more into this role as as, as the half progressed? I, I was going to, yeah, I was just about to say, you know, I thought Wijnaldum was good, but for me, I thought Bobby um, was the one that really decided turned up in the second half. He was dropping. Sometimes with Bobby, he drops deep and he can look a little bit lost. He, you know, he will try and do something in a silly position and get caught or he'll play a famous pass. Or, and I think yesterday in the second half, we for the first time this season, we saw Bobby take up those deep positions and kind of look like the killer that we know he is. You know, he picked it up. He was making incisive, quick passes. Um, and then you look at the first goal. Now, that pass, that is such an underrated pass to Mane. He has got such a narrow channel to play that in between two defenders. And it is inch perfect. And when he's on song like this, and then you saw the confidence flowing with Bobby. When he starts doing the tricks and putting it through the defender's legs, you think... Bobby's turned up today. He's, you know, this is, and when he plays, Liverpool play well. It's that simple. He is so important to our system, whether he's in the false nine or he's dropping deep. Um, and with Wijnaldum, I agree. I thought Wijnaldum was really good yesterday. Um, he offers a dimension, and I don't think any of our midfielders offer in respect that he can play that number six so well. He's got the energy to get back. He's got, he's got really deceptive strength as well for quite a small guy. And he's also got the technical role that he could also play in the 10 as well, which you see quite a bit for Holland. You know, he, he can finish, he can take a man on. He's got a bit of pace. Um, and he's very good at the transition because he can pick the ball up and he can carry it forward. Um, but I think they all they all kind of turned it on in the second half. I thought Mane was good. I thought Robertson was excellent down that left-hand side. I thought Trent was really good. Um, Henderson as well. I don't think anyone in the second half really had uh, had a bad had a bad half. They all seem to kind of switch on and, and speed their play up, speed the passes. It's more incisive, more meaningful. Um, and, and we just looked, it was just a very, very good half of football by Liverpool. Even when we went down to 10 men, we still looked, we didn't give them anything. He still looked in control. And then obviously when he got the goal, so I thought we were brilliant. I thought everyone was excellent in the second half. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, Grizz, the second half of the game against Fulham, a lot of people commented that this looked like Liverpool getting back to their their fluid kind of best, and and there was signs of of a starting to, as a, as people like to say, clicking. Um, but was this more evidence of it yesterday? I th- I think we like I said, I think we walked them out first half. But this second half is this is this another step to what you were at the game? To you watching watching the game from I know like you know literally pitch level. Did this look like another step towards the team being at their, not their fluid best, but, but getting there as opposed to the way they were played, say, a month, six, eight weeks ago? That, that second 45 minutes was the closest we've been to getting there, so to speak. I thought, I thought, uh, see, I, I would disagree about sort of the midfield and Ginny, I thought he, him and Henderson were far too, far too safe. The only criticism would be, see, I thought off the ball they were fantastic, cutting off their passing lanes, pressing them, defensively covering. Sort of when Robertson and Trent went forward, off the ball they were a one. On the ball, Ginny and Hendo struggled yesterday. Uh, yes, Ginny picked it up in the second half. I will agree with that. 
And I will also say, I also re uh, agree with you guys when you talk about Bobby. Bobby really came into his own in that second half. And he wasn't dropping deep, Gav, for the sake of just dropping deep as a sort of formation to keep the shape. He was actually dropping deep and making an impact on the ball every time. And that was what was missing. You know, Marty refers to the actual goal where he plays that ball into Mane, who in fact was also brilliant in that second half. And there was a notable difference in the way Mane played as well, Gav, in the second half. And I've definitely picked up on this. Do you know where we usually associate Mane to being such a good footballer and that he drops deep and he sort of comes central and he starts making the play? Almost, a, almost like doing another Firmino or what Shaq does. Well, either it was Klopp or it was Mane's own intuition. Basically, he stuck to that left wing and he let Bobby come in. Bobby dropped deep and Mane just sort of stayed wide, stayed wide, stayed wide. And he was causing that right back awful problems. In fact, I think all the goals or two of the goals came from Mane's side and Mane's runs. And so he was getting in behind the defence, which we weren't doing in that first half. Everything was to feet. Everything was safe. Everything was simple. So, you know, in that second half, Bobby finally, finally woke up from his slumber and it bodes well, Gav. It bodes well because, you know, Mo's still scoring. Mo carried on scoring. Mo's getting accustomed to this number nine row, and we have to get accustomed to it. I think the future, it seems as though Klopp has shoehorned, not shoehorned Shakiri into the team, but sort of tried to put as many weapons as he can, as many of his weapons as he can on the pitch whilst keeping the formation, you know, sort of a, a decent shape. So I think this is the way to go forward, and it, it bodes well for me. Okay, Neil, have you acting on that? Nope. Nothing? Nothing to add. That was fucking perfect. Yeah. Was, yeah. Did, you not, did you not think it was a bit long? It was like a soliloquy. Did you not think he was a bit it was long? Bit, it was like a lullaby. <laughs> you liked it. I switched, yeah. off, I switched off halfway through, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I've got, I mean, got a script. I was just reading off the thing. I didn't tell you that. Yeah, so. if it's not a great one, mate. You want to sack the script, right? Oh, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, no, let, look, let's get on to the goals uh, because... I want to go on to um, I want to go on to the Henderson red card, and I want to have a look towards Wednesday as well. Um, first goal, we, we've we've touched on it there with, with Firmino getting involved. Um, but it, Marty, Firmino gets involved. He plays Mane in. Mane plays the Salah. Salah scores. That is so satisfying because it's the three of them linking up, and you know one good pass splits them. A second good pass puts someone in and. It's not the best of finishes, but it's on target and it goes in. So, But to see those three lads linking like they did a hell of a lot last season, that's another good sign as well, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. It's so satisfying. It, it took me a minute to realise. I told him, yeah, for, for me, you know, Bobby, Salah, old times, it was, it was so good. And it, it seemed like that second half in general, and then you saw the goal, was kind of the eureka moment for all of them. Like, Chris found out really well. You had... For me, though, dropping deep, meaningful as well. Not just dropping deep because he's been told to. He knew what he was doing. Then you had Mane that was keeping left he, with chalk on his boots, like the old title, you know, the old star wingers. And you had Mo who was like coming in from the right, like, like he did last season. And it just had that flow about it. It didn't seem forced. It was just quick. One pass, another pass, bang, goal. And it was just so good to watch. And then you saw after that first one went in, it was just, we looked every single time that we went forward dangerous. And, you know, I think the front three, I think it's just, 
you kind of go back to the beginning of the season. We're kind of thinking, oh, you know, why is it you know, not quite far in? They, they all look, there's confidence like any player. Once they start clicking and goals start going in like it has been, they look lethal again. And I think all the goals, I loved them for different reasons. I mean, the first one was just, be, as you said, you know, all three combined and it was just a really good goal. Um, the second one was just, it was world class. I mean, I saw Grizz seeing it, you know, obviously live as well. It, it, it looked special. Um, you know, Trent, he's been threatening to do that for a few weeks. He's got such a good set piece on him. Uh, and then you look at the third one. The third one was just brilliant because we were down to 10 men. It was, uh, it was towards or in the 90th minute. And then you just see Robertson just tur- put the he, afterburners is he, on. Has he taken all these three goals in one go? He's grand, he's grand. Because we, yeah. we don't look to like, labour the points, you know what I mean? Okay, go I have on. to go in five minutes, Gav. All I want <laughs> to say is we're going to fucking batter everything I was this getting, weekend. I, <laughs> Fuck them. I was getting out of the way so we could do Henderson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dead right, man. Just rush over. Otherwise, Grizz will go on for an hour and a half about to trade him. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I'm having a sip of water. Oh, people falling but asleep all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, the, the third one was just, I was just buzzing for Bobby. I think he needed that. I think he needed that big time. But yeah, Robertson, Mane was unlucky and it was just really good counter-attack. And obviously you saw Klopp at the end giving it the old water. Counter-attack. What about just, the free kick, lads? What yeah, about I the free kick? Yeah, all of them Chris, were brilliant. Chris, I want to give you the free What about kick? the free well, as soon as the free kick was given, I was, you know, I, I promise you guys, I didn't bring out my phone during the game. I was concentrating on the game because I knew we got an important pod that I got to analyze the game as the, as on the live game. Must have been quite right? a so I, didn't out, I, didn't, I didn't bring out the phone. I didn't bring out the phone until that free kick was given, and there was a reason. And there's a reason I'm ITK because I knew. <laughs> Trent's going to be all over this and pop this in the top oh corner. God. He's actually said that with a straight face. <laughs> he's a wanker. Yeah, he's on the yeah. Right, so, <laughs> on so basically, right, we as soon as that ball's put down, Trent runs over and it's amazing. And he looked and up at you, Gears, didn't he? He gave you a little wink. He said, this one is for you, no, Gaffer. No, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Sent, I, I, was, I was smiling inside the way he sort of uh, is allowed to sort of take free kicks as a kid. So you got Moe there, you got Bobby there, you got the likes. Come here, man! I agree with you there. Do you not see a little bit of Steven Gerrard in him with the arrogance? Oh, confidence! I know it's a it's probably a big a big weight to hang on his back, but he has that air of arrogance about him that Gerrard had at that age. I'm I'm on this. Do you know? Do you know? Not probably none of you probably. Well, Marty is actually an avid England fan. You probably saw the international where he scored. You know the last game. Yeah. And I, I said at the time, you know. You know, we hate comparisons and whatnot, but that strike was reminiscent of many of CVG's strikes, yeah. right? The way he connects, the way he strikes. And, you know, as soon as that free kick was given, the way he commanded sort of seniority and everyone said, yep, yeah, yeah. be the man. I mean, you know, Virgil's known to smack a free kick as well, apparently, but apparently in training, Trent's lethal and it showed the respect that everyone else had, even though he's a kid. They said, yeah, it's all yours, Trent. And I'll tell you what, the confidence, Nilo, it was almost like, do you remember the, the what's that, what's that, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the way he stands over three weeks. And what's that geezer who scored a thousand goals? <laughs> what's his name again? <laughs> Pele. You know, like, that, yeah, that, that geezer. So, I mean, the way he popped that into the top corner yeah, was beautiful. It was actually reminiscent of, I'm going to go back now, do you remember Stevie G scored in the last minute against Aston Villa? And put one in the top yeah, corner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Goes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't it, remember it, last weekend. It, it, it was a thing. 2007. Fernando Torres' first game was. I think. Gav's mad with history. Isn't he? 
If it was only true, we'd know where you're checking that. I, that could I, be absolute pants. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was um, Torres's fourth game for Liverpool. It was. It was. Indeed. I think Gareth Barry got a penal for Villa near the end, and Gerard bangs in the. It was actually a free kick. That Gerard wins. It wasn't even a free kick. Was Pet, it I think Petrov took him down. Am I? Am I getting the Anilo? Am I getting? Sorry. To sorry. Go on, Grace. Go you on. had me a hello. No, you're just showing off, Gav. No, I just remember I've seen it on LFC TV today. That's all. <laughs> Go Have on. you subscribed, Gav? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. I've said my piece. Go, yeah. All right. Uh, Keith, you're back. You've you've disappeared. You've come back. You've, you've made three comebacks in the last forty minutes. Fair play to you. Um, like Lazarus. The the third goal I'm going to give you, Keith. Um, now uh, the, the Robertson thing. Um, everything about him. He, he, he's last minute of the game, and he's looking to get forward. He's quick. He, he rides a tackle. He's honest and stays up when he could easily go down under the tackle. He gets in the box. It's a loose touch, uh, Keith. And instead of giving up on it, he just slowly tackles your man. And it goes to Mane. And, you know, but the goal is for Firmino. Um, as Marty said, Keith, it's great to see him. It's great to see him get a goal, isn't it? I think that's his first league goal in seven games, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, first goal in seven. He definitely deserved it, especially for um, picking it up in that second half. I think what Firmino did so well in that game, um, which probably wasn't from an attacking def- uh, sense, was um, put so much pressure. Um, whenever Watford picked up the ball in the midfield, Decore could not breathe because Firmino was on him 24-7. And if that's the way that Klopp's going to want to use him from now on in terms of disrupting their midfielders who like to pass the ball around and like to take control of the game then Liverpool are going to control every single one of these games because Firmino is going to be a thorn in their side. He deserved the goal for all this hard work. Robertson, the best left-back in the league, is cannot be argued. World, world, world. Go world right now. I mean, I think, you know, the way he seems to turn... His his technique on the pass is incredible. I saw one of Scotland's goals... Um, when they uh, beat Thingy to, to qualify for the Nations League and it was the build-up play and the way he just fizzes it so low and hard with the left foot gives you so much more whip that we've just not had in so long. We were crying out for this type of whip when we were having to play James Milner there um, in Klopp's second season and, you know, this... This is what everybody was crying for, someone who was just naturally gifted on his left foot be able to put a ball in and... You know, I was kind of half, half hoping Sadio, Sadio would finish. You know, it, was, it would have been nice for his contract contract signature, but, you know, he was involved in essentially two assists. So it just cracked off a fantastic day for our forwards in, in particular. Um, and, yeah, onwards and upwards, man. Onwards and upwards for PSG on Tuesday, you know. On Wednesday. Well, on Wednesday, so I know we're going to talk about stats soon, but I think this was the perfect game to go into that game, to go into the PSG game with. Yeah. Um, hey, Gav, he's just going to Marty there and talk into our next segment without permission. Yeah, no, so, he, he doesn't need permission, Grace. We all do whatever the fuck we want, when we want. Um, that's how it works. Except, except me. Ex- except you. Listen, come here. If you think you're working under any sort of fucking rules uh, now. Yeah, there's me Don't look, don't look. me spending... That, all afternoon, bringing a de- agenda, and you don't just fucking ruin it. I'm, 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 I'm through your agenda, and I'm on to the next piece now. <laughs> don't look, don't play the matter with me, and look for the sympathy fucking vote. It's your fucking stupid hat. Um, come here. The, the, I think somebody touched on it a minute ago, and I'll go to you, Grizz, on it. Klopp really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, 
that last goal, didn't he? It was it's everything he lives for nearly, wasn't it? And I couldn't I'm not good at lip reading, I'm gonna be honest, but I'm presuming it was something along the lines of, Oh fucking yes, get in. What a fucking counter attack, deadly, and then just he's happy with that. Um he really looked happy, Chris, didn't he? He looked delighted like Do you know what? It was uh, it was just it was a perfect clock goal. I mean in terms of the speed of the counter, it was almost like the old Liverpool of his first couple of seasons. And you got to remember that we were down to 10 men. So we've just conceded a corner down to 10 men. They've got all their basketball players in the penalty area. We've broke on them from the edge of our box. And our left back, right, our left back is out sprinted their players to reach the byline. And we've got three against one with 10 men in the 90th minute. I mean, that is pure Jurgen Klopp. And if he's not going to get a boner over that, then, you know, he needs to go and sort of seek medical help because that is Klopp. That is Klopp. And he loved that shit. And he was so pumped up for it. It was almost like the Norwich scenes where sort of, you know, he celebrated on the sidelines. He actually enjoyed that goal. I mean, to be honest with you, at 2-0, last minute, you know, the game was dead as it is. So for him to celebrate a third which was, you know, it wasn't a seal, it was just a sort of uh, extra icing sort of, you know, on the top. And to, to see him celebrate, it shows how much that meant to him. And even the coaching staff, I thought it was, and I thought it was another glimpse into sort of the Liverpool that is slowly, slowly coming back to force as an attack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lads, I'm going to touch on the Henderson red card. Um, there's been an awful lot of varying opinions on it, I suppose. I'll give you my enforced Um you can agree, disagree, or you can, you know, go on what you've read or whatever, whatever way it's it's going to come across you on social media and different things. Um, Grizz, you probably got a reaction. You did probably get a reaction around from people around you in the ground. But um, Jordan Henderson, he walks a tightrope with Liverpool fans. We know that with regards to how, how does he play, what does he give, all this sort of stuff. It's, it's tiresome at fucking times. But... Yesterday, the fourth one is a booking. Um, the guy is hanging out, and by the way, you know, he's, he's hanging out. But, but he gets past Henderson, and Henderson is, you know, quite cynical in what he does. He takes the yellow. The second one, it's a little bit soft, but the only thing I would say is he's being warned on two or three occasions by the referee. The referee lets him clearly know, listen, you can't do any, you can't keep this up because I will have to red card you. Klopp is trying to get Fabinho ready and get him on the pitch because he can see what's happening. Surely, I'm going to blame Henderson here. I am going to blame him because Henderson, as a senior pro at Liverpool, should know they're going to hook me now in a minute. And they, and I know the reason why they're going to hook me. Just stay out of that tackle. Just stay out of it. Let him go past you. And we have cover. And if he does something, he does something. But if he doesn't, the ball goes out. We get our sub on and the danger's over. He, he can't play against Everton next week. Marty, for you, is it just one of those things or is it one where, regardless of the player, you have to blame him? Because after the game yesterday, I said, look, it's a mistake. It didn't cost us. We move on. I I stand by that. But in the context of it, he was wrong in what he does. I don't think there's much defence for him. We get away with it, but there's not much defence for him. Would you agree? Yeah, with what you just said there, yeah, it's done now. You know, he's done. He's been sent off. He's gonna, he's gonna serve his ban. 
it is what it is. You know? But the problem is, as you correctly stated, Henderson is probably the one player that splits a Liverpool fan base more than anyone. Um, you know, we use the word agenda. You know, it's, it is tiresome, I agree. Um, and people are unfortunately going to use this as a stick to beat him with. Um, I certainly don't have a Henderson agenda. I think, you know, I like Henderson. I think he, he brings his own thing to the Liverpool team. I think we've missed in the past few weeks when he's been out. Um, you know, by all accounts, you know, he's also a lovely guy off the field as well. So I have no problem with Henderson in any any respect. Um, but I, I do. I tweeted yesterday when it happened, and I, I stand by. It. I thought it was garbage. I thought it was stupid. Um, he's a senior. He is one of the senior players. He's the captain of the club. Um, and my reaction would have been the same if this was Henderson, Van Dijk, Lovren, Salah, any of them. We were two 0 up. We were cruising in the game. He had been warned two or three months prior to that. And it was this most stupid tackle. And that could have put us in trouble. If we had conceded not long after that with 10 men, we could have been in trouble. It was no need. It was not a, you know, a, a dangerous counter-attack that they were on. They were three stupid little fouls. He was gobbing off to the linesman, which got him a talking to. And he should know better. He should absolutely know better than that. And like I said, I would have that opinion if it was any player on the pitch. When you're 2-0 up, you are challenging for a league title. These are the things that can have an effect on you. And it sounds dramatic, but at 2-0, away to a team in an atmosphere like Watford, with enough time on the clock to concede to it, had we have been poor enough, it just isn't good enough for, for not even just a Liverpool captain, for any player at the club. You just don't do it. You should know better than that. You should go, OK, look, I've just been to- spoken to I'm going to just sit back a minute wait for the substitution and like you rightly said if the player had gone past there was Trent Lovren Van Dyke, and there was so much cover it was ridiculous so but I completely agree it's done we move on he misses Everton we get on with it there's no need to, to, to use it as a stick to bash him with at all yeah um, sorry Grizz do you know what I liked in the two yesterday after the game and I know it's not exactly the same but I was trying to think back on, on glaring mistakes that have been made this season and what, what how the cost us and stuff like that and Alisson away to Leicester is one when he makes a glaring mistake, it, it doesn't cost us in the end. It costs us in the instance. Um, he It doesn't cost us overall. He learns from it. You see he's learned from it from, from that day onwards. Um, I, I likened it to that, where, and that's where my comment, you know, it's happened, it hasn't affected us, we move on. For you, in the ground, the minute he makes the tackle, you're thinking, or were you thinking before the tackle, he's going here? Because of these warnings he was getting and, and, and just the frame of mind he was in. Did you feel did, did you feel it coming before this actually happened? Yeah, we did. I mean, look how do we look at it? Do we are we are we asking is it to blame? Of course he is to blame. Was he stupid? He's yeah. stupid. He's the England captain, he's the Liverpool captain, he should know better. Right? Absolutely no defending his action, right? But we've got to give it what gaff? We've got to give it context. And Here we the go. context of it is the context of it is gaff. He was in a fucking midfield battle for like eighty minutes or so, where Decore, um, Kapuwe, and Will Hughes and the like were getting away with every tackle without a yellow card. I'm not denying that Henderson's were two yellow card offences. The second one was a bit soft. Uh, you know, some referees may have given him a final warning. Right, I will say that. Um, but look, once once he's been warned, sort of once or twice, then yeah, he should know better, especially in the in the situation. But he was heated up, and he's been 
and he's, and he's fairly motivated as well. You've got, you've got the likes of Fabinho and Keita, right, looking to play, take your place as the Liverpool captain. Sorry, taking your place in the team, and you're the Liverpool, current Liverpool captain. On the ball, as I say, on the ball, he wasn't great. But it's when you see him live, the amount of effort and running he does off the ball, covering left, right, and centre. And he was. I think he, he did lose his rag. But the reason why I'm not worried one single bit is it's not a regular occurrence for him. I mean, how often do you see Henderson sort of get yellow-carded for sort of losing his tempo, his rag? You don't ever see it, you know. Well, it's not an issue. If, it's a, if this was his second, third yellow card, sort of even in a season and a half maybe, whatever, you'd say, right, OK, this needs to be addressed. This needs to be a talking point. I have no idea why it's... A, OK, it can be a talking point because we're discussing it now. But why it's a major discuss, major point of discussion is totally beyond me. The guy made a mistake. As you say, it works out brilliant for us. Well, apart from that, he misses the game. But in terms of, we know he's not going to do it again. We know he's not going to hamper the chances of Liverpool in a game by stupidly getting sent off like that. It just won't happen. He's too professional, just like Alisson. So, look, it's done with. He's got a red card. He will serve his punishment. That's it, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. It's because it's Henderson, Grizz, though, is it? It's because it's Henderson. It's <laughs> well, it shouldn't, just, be, they, it, it, should, it shouldn't be because it's Henderson. You no, should look at the incident at and, and look at... Forget who the player is. Look at the incident and what the player has done and judge it on that. All right. Yeah, now you'll have you, just—he's <coughs> missing for the Everton game next week. Some people might say, "Oh, great." Some people will be upset about it. Me personally, I'd like to see him at the Everton game because he has experience in these games. He has more experience than Fabino has. He has more experience than Wijnaldum has. He's more experienced than Shakiri has. You know what I mean? So we're we're going in there with a little bit less experience in midfield. No matter what way you look at it, next week and midfield will be key next week against Everton, in my opinion. Yeah, just, I, just, I just want to jump back in before we go to Keith, but I just want to say, you know, people often say, what is an agenda? Like, shut up. What's an agenda? You know, No, you see, Grace, have... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to discuss agendas against players. No, no I'm not going to discuss it. I'm just going to quickly just make a point. But, the f- but as, as we guys have just said, the fact that it's such a major talking point, right, in a 3-0 victory away from home, when your top strike, when all your strikers have clicked back into form, you've got so much positive things to talk about. To, and to, to make this a major talking point reeks of an agenda. No, well, you see, my- it is a talking point, Grizz, because as Marty said earlier, if we turn around and have a poor five minutes, we're 2 1. With a crowd banging for us, we're 10 to 10 men, and Warford are quite good at being direct if they want to be. They have the physicality to do it, and we could have fell into a trap where we walk away with a two-all draw. And listen, this will be more than a fucking uh, major talking point. This will be it, the only talking point. But the thing is... You've answered your own question, but the fact that it's not... The fact that that wasn't the situation, mm. the fact that we did go on to win it, mm. shouldn't make it a major talking point. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, but, but, the, but I've said to you already, I've said to you already, he done something stupid, we didn't suffer, all right? We suffer next week because you, you won't be available. We didn't suffer in, in the immediate aftermath. We move on. That's what you do. But but we have to we have to discuss what he done and, and how he done it and, oh, yeah, and, exactly. and his top behind enough. it. That's yeah. a red card. You're going to discuss that. Keith, for you... um. It's definitely a red card all day. It's a second yellow um, because of the warnings he's got more than anything than the tackle itself. But th- do you think he'd be a big miss next week? 
I think he will be a big miss. I think his energy in the midfield, um, his combativeness in the midfield is going to be is going to be needed next week because it's going to be a high pressure, high high tempo game. And to a certain extent, with now the midfield likely looking like it's probably going to be Fabino, uh, Milner, and Ronaldo. I think we are going to lose that little bit because I, I I don't think James Milner is the best necessarily in his defensive duties in the midfield. I think he's a good work workhorse and he's quite creative. Actually, doesn't get enough credit for that. But I don't think he's as good as shutting down the press, uh, shutting down the ball um, as Jordan Henderson is, and and not really getting the midfield to press better. I think he can be seen to be wandering. Now, if Klopp doesn't go for Milner and goes for Naby Keita then it could be Kate's time to shine and this could actually be a blessing in disguise or it could be a big game that that passes Naby by and, and he can be overawed by the opportunity. So we are going into risky territory here. Um, you know, the lads touched on it. I, I completely accept that Jordan Henderson deserved to get sent off. Um, I thought he had a pretty good game. Um, I think he's been having a pretty decent season despite all the injuries that he's had towards him. I think the agenda conversation and debate is, is definitely warranted because, as I said, I was watching the game through Twitter. So when Henderson got sent off, like, you see, like, all right, you know when you when you watch this return, right, you see that like, red card, Jordan Henderson, da, da, da. it's the comments that come after it mm. that create this kind of a negative environment like oh Henderson's such an idiot blah 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 and you know not not surprising given he's our captain this guy should be our captain that guy should be our captain you know the minute Jordan Henderson does something that's maybe slightly negative and and it's not often but when he does do something out of place you know he gets destroyed by our fan base alike but you look at someone like Jorginho yesterday he was getting absolutely destroyed as a holding midfielder in a big game and this is the type of player that's supposed to be flashy and passes the ball left, right, centre, plays defence split passes every five minutes and something that Jordan Henderson supposedly doesn't do. And you don't hear the same reaction towards him. Do you understand where I'm coming from? And and and, and they are, they are, I'd actually go a step further comparing them to Jorginho and Jordan Henderson, great midfielders. I haven't really won anything. I haven't had that, that much of an impact in world football. Yet when one makes a mistake, it's a big thing. When another makes bad game and get take tear apart you don't really hear too much conversation about it and i think that lies your your kind of agenda if you will mm. um as i said i'm not going to discuss the agendas against players because um it's 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 tiresome for me at the minute it's boring yeah it's yeah boring i'll i'll listen i'll i'll criticize any player no problem i'll do it at the drop of a hat if i need to but um and i'll i'll give players credit uh that's just the way i, I watch a game i'll give you credit i'll 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 lash it because of certain things, but that's just that's where I am, um, and I'll just go from there, lads. Um, before we finish up, uh, man of the match, Grizz, I'll come to you first. Oh, that's a tough one, Gav. You sure you want to come to me first? Um... Okay, I'll come back to you, uh, Marty, man of the match. Uh, uh so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Van Dyke. Um, he was just, just a stock answer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he was just—he's he, just, just so hard to look past him. Near enough every game, you know, even when we don't. It's so hard you know, to look past even, him as well. Not look past him. Yeah, he's just some of the stats that came out after the game as well. You know, he—he he won every single aerial duel. He won every single tackle, and it's just—he just. So Dejan Lovren wasn't far confident. off. Confident. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Mm. I thought Lovren was excellent as yeah. well, but I just think. Uh, 
I got to go Van Dijk. I, okay. I just think he's just every game. I just run out of words to describe the man. He's just uh, he's just majestic. He's a, I love him. So mm-hmm. yeah, Van Dijk for me. I heard um I heard somebody say I think it was in a WhatsApp group today read and said uh, he reckons Van Dijk could be worth anything up to three places in the league for us because of the way he performs. Not a bad show. Hundred percent. Could be right at the end, you know. Keith, for you, man of the match. Me, um, I'm gonna have to go for Firmino. Yeah, Firmino for me, absolutely great game. Okay, uh, I'll agree with you, Firmino. Uh, he opens them up with the pass for the first goal. He wins the, the free kick for the second goal, and he scores the third one. Um, you can't go more than that. Grizz, I've given you uh, three minutes. Um, you've had you've had twenty six hours <laughs> to work it out. It's like a fucking Oscar, Oscar exception speech, isn't it? Yeah, I'd like to thank no God, one. my manager, my fucking agent. <laughs> Grizz, man of the match. Yeah, you, you tried to change my mind with, with Firmino there because he was class in that second half. Here, his close control, Grizz, is unreal, isn't it? Isn't it? It's as good, uh, it's know, as, good as you'll that, see anywhere. You see, that, you see that piece of magic you've done with the touchline? Yeah. I've got a fantastic... Come that. here, that's not showing off. That's just natural. That's it, uh, What I mean to say, it wasn't... Uh, it, so, he didn't think I'm going to show off here and make a show of this guy. It's just completely natural. Absolute brilliant point by Nilo. That wasn't done as a show-off. That was actually done to get out of the situation yeah. that he was in. Yeah. You know, it was necessity and it came naturally to him to do whatever you want to call that. What do you want to call that? Someone's, some hipster's got... We just call it, it magic. We call it magic. Sam yeah. Flair. Bit of, bit of, oh, pa- bit of Paul was... Daniels. Yeah. Because... Bit of Debbie McGee. <laughs> <laughs> bit of Debbie McGee, yeah. Yeah. You're not Honestly, Debbie and yeah, it, it was actually quicker. It was like, when you see it, like, we didn't know what happened. Suddenly... So there's three players around him and suddenly he was sort of striding away from them. Come here, do you remember years ago at Old Trafford, Redondo done something very similar for Real Madrid out of nowhere? Absolutely. It's very similar to that. Yeah, it's uh, what a player. What a player. I mean, so getting back to before Gav starts saying, you know, I'm talking about getting back to the man of the match um, vote. Um, Virgil van Dijk was out of this world, Gav. He's man, I mean, man of the fucking century. Don't win the match. No, fucking hell, Nilo. That Troy Deeney is a very underrated footballer, in my opinion. Right? And and a couple of the players as well. But, you know, he actually... Troy Deeney, do you remember when he came out and he started chatting shit about the Arsenal, about they don't fancy it and he can bully any centre-back and blah, 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 blah. Well, I'll tell you what. And give credit Lovren here as well. They actually bullied him into submission where... Because Troy Deeney, first 15 minutes, he kept coming on to Lovren and Trent, think he can have some. But I tell you what, by, by after that 15, 20 minutes, he was totally anonymous. Lovren was an absolute monster, an absolute beast. And for me, He's got a name on as you say, it's, it's, almost, it's almost, we should rule him out of sort of man-of-match competitions from now on, Gav. Come here, he can do. Come here, he can do it all. He can do it rough. He has pace. He 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 has he's on the ball. He's he's as good as any centre midfielder you're going to see. He's brilliant in the air. He's good looking. He's fantastic hair. He smells nice. Especially in terms of, he hasn't got as good as hair as Keith. Many people will tell you that honestly. Keith is fantastic. That is quite the growth. Yeah. Isn't it? But, you know, we talked about everything and, and what you forgot, though, was his actual distribution, the way he switches the ball so casually to right and left. Hey, come and here. Everything is, like we are talking from Firmino, is natural. Everything is natural with him. And it's just, even when he's on the ball, it's the calming influence he has across everybody. And we were saying about whoever's partnership, whoever's in partnership with him. I think 
the difference is other centre halves will say you were playing on the left or the right. You're concentrate. You're playing your area. He plays uh, the whole way across the back four. He plays the, uh, he plays in everybody's position, and that's why he doesn't get caught, and why other people look so good behind beside him, because he's playing his position and also playing their position and waiting for them to make a mistake. So he's like, if, for for example, he'd be like a striker anticipating where the ball's going to drop. He's the exact reverse, but in a, in a defensive capacity, if that makes any sense at all. Listen, I was talking about the yardstick earlier with City and all that, right? Saying that's we that's all we can measure ourselves against. They're the best team in the country in November, which is fucking useless. You want to be the best team in the country in March, April, May time, right? You want to peak then. But having said that, is second to City enough? Is losing in a final enough? Is getting to semi-finals enough and going on these long and having the big the, the Anfield buzzing on Champions League nights and all that, but ultimately not winning anything? When does that become not enough? Are we at that point now? Do we need... Like, the League Cup is gone. Fuck it, we could have done with that. Do we need something tangible to hold on to now? Or, like, is, is a cup run enough for us now? Is finishing second to the best team the Premiership has ever seen? Is that enough? In my... I, I have my opinion. I'm just wondering about you, Lee Tink. And including you, Gav. Well, I'm going to give that to Keith first. Go for it, Keith. Personally, I would love, love, love an FA Cup. An FA Cup win. Just a trophy. Just something to... We've been through a lot of emotional rollercoasters ever since 2013, 14 season, right? So you'd say the last five years have been all. Ever since I was born, about 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Reborn. Fucking reborn. In 1989, when Grizz was born, seven years ago. Must be many prisons. We've made so much progress in leaps and bounds, even to challenge a team that's essentially been financed by a country. In ways that have been, and no other team has been. Come able here, mate. To... What, the point is, though, that becomes peripheral at some stage, right? When is it? When can we be satisfied? Like Liverpool, surely, surely, before the season starts, in Liverpool, it's about winning things. Surely, it is. And my, for me, I think it is anyway. Yeah. My opinion is that they're going to sit here, win the league and the Champions League this year, right? But that's just my opinion. But Not I, my opinion. But listen, having said that, I'm just wondering what you, uh, Marty, what do you think is. Is second enough just because City are so good? Is losing the Champions League final enough because Real Madrid are so good? Like, when is when is enough enough? Yeah, look, we haven't won a trophy since, you know, 2012. Um, I think we have to be careful. As fans, the, the one we want is the Premier League. We want that more than anything as fans. Um, and I'm sure that's what Jurgen Klopp wants. But we also have to learn not to get so obsessed with, with winning the league that we don't look at the other competitions. Now, we, like you said, we've already gotten the League Cup. We've got the FA Cup and the Champions League. And obviously the Champions League at the moment is looking you know, very iffy. We've got a couple of, of tough fixtures to navigate. Um, having said that, there's one team that I believe can stop City in the league, and it's Liverpool. And the reason I say that is, I think it was Keith made a very good point earlier, that the league is going to cut... It is going to come down to how we how we perform against uh, you know the top teams, the top four or top three, however you want to say it. Now, Man City and Pep have got this obsession with Klopp and Liverpool at the moment. There's a, a really strange quote that was doing the rounds really on Twitter about that is. Really he reading a book and about reading a book, and he said, "Oh yeah," and then I start thinking about Klopp and Liverpool. Pep changed his system to play Liverpool at home. He, he never does that. Period. He never does that. So. We are not a million miles away. Like City will beat Team 6, 7, perhaps even 8 nil. If we can win these games that we're expected to win, perform well against the top four or the top six, and we can beat City or even draw against City at the Etihad, we are bang in there. 
And I think this season or next season, we should be looking at seriously winning the league. Um, I think we need to get a trophy in the next couple of years. I think, you know, it's been a project. Klopp's taken us really far. And this isn't to say if we don't win a trophy, Klopp needs to go. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think we need something because I don't want to be a Spurs and be remembered for playing nice football. When Klopp moves on, he will be, the question will be, what did he win with Liverpool? You know, and I think we need to say, look, he won this. A couple of FA Cups anything really any silverware and if we go on and win the league then he's going to be you know the, the messiah of, of Liverpool but I think we need something I don't want to get so obsessed with the league that we end up coming to the end of Klopp's contract we've we've come second best to a very good City side and we haven't won anything else because they will not win everything they've got a good squad but they will not win every cup there well, is you haven't been you haven't I? Mm. I, I'm got, a bit I, like... got, I got last will I? yeah well I'm not really listening to you I'm turning your mic off <laughs> no I mean I mean I think I think we disagreed, me and Gav, earlier in the season where we said, do we want a trophy? Should we play our strongest team in the league cup? I'm a bit like you, Nilo. Old. And <laughs> I'm a very good I'm a good Nick. We, we remember great we Nick. remember our great club built on trophies. And you know, it's very important, you know, that that we keep that sort of tradition of actually winning silverware. Keep adding to the trophy cabinet. You know, it's otherwise you're just otherwise you're just participating. I mean, surely you're set out to win, to win every match, to win every competition. Surely, otherwise you're just the Spurs, as Marty says. You are just the Spurs, and so we don't ever fall into that trap. It will be amazing and it will be brilliant for Klopp as well as reward for his sort of efforts and how he's transformed this club. Look, you, you you made a point about sort of earlier on about City. Do we, we, are we trying? Are we too obsessed with trying to match? We shouldn't be trying to match their style, as Keith no. said. We should be we should be we should be trying to match their results. It's very difficult. It's near enough impossible to match a team coached by Pep style. But come here. Do you know what the irony is? If it came down to it, and it was a playoff for the league between City and Liverpool, you'd fancy Liverpool all day long. I fancy us to beat them one on one when it, when it really matters. I've, I'd fancy us to to get the result that we needed, but I don't know well, whether we can do it over the course of a season. Well, you see, go on, Grizz. I'll let you finish because um, it's very interesting. Yeah, no, I'm nearly finished. I'm very. So I hope so. Look, look. I'm saying, I'm saying uh, to Nino's question: When does it? When? When is the cutoff point? Where do we sort of almost demand a trophy? I think. I think next season. Is sort of I'd be I'd be demanding some silverware, especially with sort of the way FSG is building this squad. That will be like sort of three. Is it three full? No, that'll be four seasons with Klopp building his squad. Klopp said he'll win it this year. So do you know what I mean? I think next year we we kind of we expect to give it uh, a full effort in all the cups. But um, this season, you know, my target initially was to keep progression. Keep progression. And if anybody can't see progression at the moment, uh, football's not for them, definitely. Gavla. Um, the, the desperation and the fear of failing in this league has been shown to me in the last five minutes in this conversation. But, because, uh, no, hold on, I'll tell you why, right? I've listened to you all and you have talked about what's enough, what should we go for, you know, etc., etc., etc. But it's all being caveated with Oh, you know, but they're really good and this thing. that That's that's just a fear that's in you, all right? I, I'm telling you now that's a fear that's in you because you don't want to overcommit to the idea of 
for argument's sake, like 13, 14, we were on the verge and it really hurt. And you don't want that to happen to you again. Subconsciously, that's what's happening. Um, with regards to Man City, and, and as Marty said, they changed their system to come to Anfield. So and he, and he, and he, no, and he never does this. Uh, and he's right. Guardiola doesn't do this. Guardiola has decided that if he can take two draws against Liverpool, both at Anfield and the Etihad, he is of the belief that his squad is good enough to go and outdo Liverpool on the other 36 games of the league. He's probably he may right. be right. He, is he may right. be right. He may be right. He may not be. You know, people are saying, and progression and stuff like that, as good as the Champions League run was last season, and, and it was it was a failure in the end, you know, and we didn't get what we wanted, it, it catapulted us up a couple of levels where I think if we, if we went out in the quarterfinals to the City or an unlucky semi-final loss, we could have, you know, gone to, say, level three or level four. We're right up level five we're now. We're at the top you know? table yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we're probably ahead of where we should be, realistically. Uh, but coupled with the Champions League and what we've spent, I suppose, on particularly the goalkeeper and the, and the centre-half, I think that's catapulted us, us to a level where the expectancy is huge, but there's always that fear there in Liverpool fans. And I understand it. It's, you know, it's it's um, 20, 28 years since the league title and people are afraid to, to fully commit themselves. Come here, to, tell to me this. this. Does that fear transgress into the playing staff? No. Do you think that's why we can't get over the line? No, I don't think it does. And to be honest with you, Liverpool as a club, as a fan base and as a team, managers, uh, staff, they should be looking at this going, as Marty said, this is, uh, like someone said last week, this is a machine that we're playing against. We're a fucking machine. And start believing in yourself. We are a machine. If we're, machine. Go, if we're going out and we're doing 13 league games, 10 wins, 3 draws, that is very mechanically good. right? Okay, they have two points better off. but last They're no better than they were last season. We are. All right, yeah, and and uh, and talking about other cups and stuff, the league cup is gone. The FA Cup will all hinge on where we are come the fourth weekend in January. If we're right in the hunt, you can take the FA Cup and you can throw it in the nearest fucking bin because it's not going to happen. It simply is not going to happen. We're not going to risk nobody if we're right in this one, Man City. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: if we get to the end of March or middle of March or whatever, put it whatever date that you want on it, and we're up City's arse or ahead of them or whatever. We are winning this fucking league. And it's as simple and as that. I, uh, I, yeah, I can... Say again, Jeff, say again. No, we are. We're winning the league because... Like, if, we're, if we're within two points coming coming February, March time. We're in striking distance of them on the 1st of March. We win this league. And I, 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 and is that because of the kibosh that Klopp has over Pep? I think, A, it's because I think Klopp will revel in it. I think he'll have his players reveling in it. And I think it'll be a City squad that have had it easy in the Premier League. Right. Love it, Gav. Love it. Yeah. No, he, he, he did. They, they had the league won by November last season, and everyone has talked them up as this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, we went out and beat Man City in the Champions League last season, right? We're li- we're a minimum of fuss. Let's be honest about yeah. it, right? And City torn. Like City now must be looking going. They won again. So when does they it get to again. them? Exactly. When does it get to them? And they come off the pitch yesterday after four 0 How did Liverpool get on? They're fucking training. Yeah, yeah. When does that get to them? It, it'll get to them in March. Or does if, it because if, they've because they've won the league so many no, times? No, no. It'll, it'll get to them in March when they turn around and go, "Yeah, we've won another game. Solve day, solve day, solve day." And listen, the chaser, we, the chaser will always break the fella in the front, when, not the other way around. When do we Let's play? Have, when do we play them at the edge? Third of January. Third of January. Mm. Bit too early. Okay. It is a bit early, I was isn't say, it? I was going to say, if we go there two points behind, right, mm. that's when they will start fearing us and feeling us. But come here, just they, what they, happens if they, they... know, because they know, no, Nino, they know the only time they've been us in recent times 
is when we were down to 10 men. Yeah. But tell me this, what happens if we shit ourselves and lose the league by a point this year, right? Lost the Champions League final the year before that. Lost a, a, a European a Cup Winners Cup, whatever the fuck you call it nowadays, Europa League the year before that. When does that become a fucking issue that, with the current squad and the current management team even saying, uh, we I just can't get over the yeah, fucking I, line I here. Think, when does psychologically I, well, does that get I, the fuck I don't up? know. I don't know if we lost the league by a point. I don't think that psychologically will become... I think another final loss will, will be more of a concern. Because people throw this at Klopp all the time. So that's my point, that we need to win something. You, you probably do need to win something, but look, come here. If you're asking me, do I want to win the FA Cup or or have a right fucking good tilt that they use in the Premier League, I'll take the Premier League tilt all day fucking long. Because okay. I'm fully of the belief that when we... we listen, nobody causes uproar, right? And a Ferrari and, and a carnival fucking sort of atmosphere than Liverpool fans chasing the league title. But You've my thing it, is, my thing is, Fortis is good a second. It's the same thing, you're still not winning. Correct. So go, go all out. I think... If 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 we turn into the end of March and we're, we're on them, and you, you'll see all buses being welcomed to Anfield, and the media will love it. You know, yeah. some parts of the media I'm convinced don't want us to win it or ever win it, but other parts will love it, and they'll, it'll be the, this romantic thing as, as we spoke about earlier. I think genuinely, we can do these on the league, and they're not as they're, they're a great side. Don't get me wrong. But, but, but putting them up, we never spoke to them as, the, as a, a machine last season. They're a machine and they're untouchable and they can't be got at. Now we are. And they're doing no better this season than they were last. True. I can't get it. But look, we, we could talk about this on. I think we're about an hour and 15 minutes in. Um, that's been the fat back for. Um, it's probably something we can discuss a bit more on Twitter and, and you know, cause all sorts. I dropped the bomb there, Gav, didn't yeah. I? I dropped <laughs> yeah. the fucking bomb. Nilo yeah. bomb. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely dropped the bomb. Um, but look, that's been the fat back for. Uh, I'm Gav. That's Nilo. That's Grizz. That's Marty. Sorry, that's Keith. Um, we'll be, uh, the lads will be back with you Wednesday after the PSG game. You'll have the cop table on Friday. You'll, we'll be back on Sunday. Um, have a good one. Enjoy your week. And always remember, lads, 20 more wins. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more.